Thank you for honoring the invitation. Um, Thank you for having me. Yeah, we are glad to have you here. And also, um, just like to say a few things to our viewers. I'd just like to say a few things about Dr. Dr. Nubi before we get into the uh, into today's discussion. Um, Dr. Nubi is a lecturer at the College of Medicine, University of Lagos in Nigeria. He's the CEO and honorary consultant at Grace Cottage Clinic. Uh, at Grace Cottage Clinic, they believe that mental health is possible and can happen against all odds. The cottage serves as a model mental health care facility providing mental health services in a humane condition, sensitive to the patient's will, and ultimately reducing the burden of mental health among the populace. Dr. Nubi is also the founder and CEO of Real Visionaries Initiative, a health-based non-governmental organization solely committed to, improve, to improving the health of Nigerians through health promotional activities. Dr. Nubi is an entrepreneur, humanitarian, public speaker, and is deeply passionate about reducing the incidence of mental illness in Nigeria through extensive mental health education. So you are welcome. This you are welcome. Yeah. Um, um, I would like to start by asking, um, there's a question that has been on my mind for a while, and I just feel maybe it might be better to, to start from that. Um, I've heard that virtually everyone experiences depression in their life at one time or the other. Is that a fact or a myth? Not everyone, but mostly. We've talked about three to four people who experience depression, lifetime risk. And that's a significant number. Okay. But what's the difference between stress, when you're stressful and you are trying to cope with it, and uh, when you are more or less living or working in depression? Yeah, maybe of course. Let me phrase it again. Let me phrase okay. it again. What is the difference between sorrow and depression? Thank you. So most of the time when I talk about depression, I always talk about the difference between sorrow, sadness, and depression. Uh, simply put, when you are sad, or when one is sad, it won't last long and there will be a mixture of happy moods, and then the sadness may go. But when one is depressed, we're talking of prolonged sadness, lasting to weeks and months. So the best way to explain depression is to look at someone that is sad. I may be sad this morning, or I might have been sad this morning, and then by now I'm okay. But in depression, the sadness continues. In depression, you have hopelessness. You have helplessness. You have the feeling of worthlessness. You have the feeling that 
Nobody is there to help you. And so therefore, one begins to think of suicide. One feels so weak, tired, loss of interest in previously enjoyed activities, reduced concentration, memory, and co. So depression is a conglomerate of many of these symptoms. Meanwhile, sorrowful mind, oh, yeah, just, your mood is down. And then after a while, you move on. But you are not in a state, perpetual state of despondency. So when people say, oh, I was depressed yesterday. I said, may you not be depressed. You can just say you are sorrowful because depression is a sickness. <laughs> it is a sickness. Okay. Um, there is something I saw on one of your websites and I would like to read it. I was really fascinated about it. And I would like to read it and it's going to link to my next question. You said okay. mental illness is not an arrow from witches or wizards. Neither, neither is it a cause from the gods, but a medical illness of the brain, same way hypertension is the illness of the heart and asthma illness of the lungs. Now, um, I know that in our culture, when we, you know, when I was growing up, uh, discussion about mental illness was not something that we were familiar with. When you hear about somebody having mental issue, it's always spoken about in low tone, like something mm. you must not know, something, you know, so I still hard. have a vivid picture of uh, uh, someone that I grew up and this person was always permanently locked inside the room. And I never understood mm. why until much, much later when I, you know, when I, when I uh, became older, I realized that the lady was having mental issue and instead of her to be taken to the hospital, she was permanently locked in a room in the house, does not come out, they only take her food to her bed. So I want you to take time and explain why is it that uh, people generally, especially in a, in a, in, among the black um, uh, race, we find it difficult to talk freely about mental health, about mental wellness. Thank you so much. Uh, knowledge empowers. What you don't know, one will likely, I mean, say, or oh, the attitude will be different. And that's why we talk about knowledge, attitude, and behavior. That knowledge will uh, change attitude, an attitude definitely, if it is positive, will lead or drive positive behavior. And therefore, the behavior of stigmatization, the behavior of speaking about mental illness in a low tone, try to avoid being shamed in the society, stems from the fact that people have a very low knowledge of what mental illness is all about. Therefore, I always overlook the behavior. If anybody is ignorant or anybody is talking about mental illness in a stigmatizing way or manner, the moment I look at that person, I see ignorance. And sometimes I don't go on the defense or the defensive. I just try to say this and this and this are the things you need to know. Now let's talk about education. 
on mental mm -hmm. illness. It is important that people understand that our body, this our body system, our body yeah. system are organs. The organs we mean the eyes, we means the heart, the liver, the kidney, the brain inside the skull, the heart is in, in the thorax, chest, and the bones, and so many organs in the body. That is the first thing we need to know. I mentioned the heart, I mentioned the liver, I mentioned the lungs, and I mentioned the brain. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Now, I now go further, step two, to say that if my eyes, the organ, has any challenge, yeah. the function of the eyes will be affected. So you yeah. and I, we are using glasses now because the organ, which is the eyes, is defective. Either the fact that we cannot, either for the fact that we cannot see near objects or far objects, right? Yeah. If I have asthma, that means my lung is defective and my breathing will be affected. Yeah. If my heart has problem, I will have either hypertension or other conditions of the heart. So the question now is, if I have brain problem, because brain is part of the organ, what will happen? The functions of the brain will be affected. Yeah. Is it not hilarious that we are said that if heart has problem, the function of the heart will be affected. If the bone has problem, probably one will not be able to work well. Yeah. If the eyes have problem, one will not be able to see well. If the brain has problem, one will not be able to reason well. There will be problem with memory. There will be problem with the way we feel. There will be problem with the way we perceive and we see things around us. There will be problem with the way we see ourselves. And that is why when somebody has emotional problem or brain problem, he may see one as two. He may see three as four. You may ask him question A and he will answer question B because the logical sequence of the brain is affected. If people don't say that somebody that cannot see has been attacked by the devil or witches and wizards, why then will somebody that has reasoning problem be said to have been attacked? Why can't we just look at it that the way people have eye problem, they can also have brain problem and the function of the brain is affected. So it is very important for people to know that if you can medicalize hypertension, heart problem, liver problem, and cook, we should also medicalize brain problem. We should not well. say that it's an attack. Very simple. <laughs> Thank you. I would like to know, uh, could we say that mental health problem is hereditary? Just as yes. doctors would say that somebody, uh, if you are from a family where they have diabetes, a problem, if you create an enabling environment, you are more predisposed to have the same thing. 
is the same thing is it applicable to mental health challenge as well yes exactly as we have said mental health is also a medical condition mental challenges are medical conditions what goes for a goes for b if glaucoma cataracts arthritis asthma sickle cell hypertension diabetes mental illness if they can <laughs> so all medical almost all medical conditions have familiar or hereditary disposition they can be hereditary and you can see that for every question i i ask i i, I answer i answer them in line with diabetes hypertension because we must normalize the conversation enough of saying ah your blood pressure is high go to doctor eh? you are having stomach problem go to gastroenterologist oh, oh you can't breathe so go to your respiratologist eh? you cannot reason very well your mood is low depression go to church or mosque go to your traditionalist uh -uh. we must medicalize and normalize the conversation it is a medical condition and it can be hereditary. all right now, uh, what we are discussing today is the role of mental health in total well-being. We know that a lot of people deal with depression. I would like you to explain, uh, as a psychiatrist, um, what are the things that can lead to depression? Yeah, you said earlier on, people can become sorrowful, and by the end of the day, you snap out of it, even if it you struggle with it maybe for a few days. After a few days, you snap out of it. Uh, but when it comes to depression, it's like something that lingers on and on and on and on. So what will you say are the things that create an enabling environment for somebody to fall into depression? Well, we have just said that a mental illness, for example, is a hereditary. So and depression is a form of or part of mental illness. Apart from the fact that one can inherit depression, okay, it's, it's called stress diathesis theory. And it means if you are my mom and you suffer depression, I have tendency to suffer it, but I may not show it forever and ever till I die. If there is nothing that will precipitate or bring it out. Okay. But if there are now stresses or environmental problems, which, are the, which is the question you are asking, it cannot come out. What are some of the things that can make somebody, maybe he has potential or high risk for depression, he may not even know that the mother suffered or the father suffered or depression runs in the family. What can make somebody now, what can bring it up, what can precipitate? Issues of life. Disappointments, most especially harsh economic condition, bereavement, loss of any kind, unachieved dream, unattained goal. This, among many other things, social instability, political instability, unemployment, because you don't know what will happen tomorrow. Any condition that creates a state of hopelessness will trigger depression. Any condition that leads to bereavement or loss 
be it financial loss, loss of someone, friend, neighbor, sister, brother, family, anything. Some people have lost their animals before and they become depressed. And that's why you don't limit the loss to anything. What is What will hit you hard may not hit me hard. And as I say, any loss and then disappointment, conflicts, these are things that can trigger depression. Either it's someone that is at high risk or someone that is not even at high risk, but, and then some medical conditions like cancer and co, terminal illnesses, hearing the news can just make one to become depressed. Okay. Um, now, some of these things that you have mentioned, some of yes. them, uh, as individual, for example, you might not have control over it. For example, COVID-19, a global issue that everybody is going through, we don't have control over it. It's something that a lot of us were not expecting and it caught us unaware. And uh, people's lives are being changed. Some yeah. have lost their job. Some are still going to lose their job. Economic situation, children's education life is being impacted. I mean, global changes, a lot of changes. Are, so there are some situations in life that happen that you do not have that control. Not control. What are the yeah, things right. we can put in place mm. that will guide us, you know, from not falling into that trap of becoming depressed? Yeah. Number one, personality. Personality determines a lot. Sometimes some people, because they already, they have a very good sound personality, they're able to wade through the vicissitudes of life. Number two, our coping skills. Individuals have different coping skills. The question is, what is your coping skill? Some people, they run away from problems. We call them the avoidance. Some they repress their problem, they represent. They just <laughs> deny, some are deniers. They just deny that it exists. Meanwhile, it's facing them like this, but they just remove their faces from it. These are maladaptive coping strategies. Some, they become aggressive. Some, they displace their problem. Some, they don't go into things like drinking, Humanizing, add, you know, dangerous driving, things like that, or don't become violent. These are different maladaptive coping strategies that people use. But we are saying that when you have good coping mechanism, coping mechanism like reappraising the situation that you are facing, coping mechanism like asking questions and learning how others are solving similar problems, coping problems. Uh, coping, coping strategies, like trying as much as possible to solve the issue rather than run away from it. Coping, coping strategies like you learning when to let go and when to just release. These will help you and laminate you against disappointment and all the lies. Cutting your coat according to your clothes not according to your size. If normal yard is five years and you have three, then you know you have to get nickel and shirt and you, because you cannot afford to get trust that from it. 
<laughs> you box your coat according to your clothes. Don't copy people. Don't send your friends and your children to private when you cannot afford private institution. Don't send them abroad and be changing naira into dollars or pounds when you cannot afford it. Don't copy your friends who are living in VGCs and in Koya Island when your money can only take care of the mainland. Don't do things based on societal pressure. Don't rush. Don't do things. Don't die in that job when you know that your emotion is being sagged out and you are being burnt out. Ability to know your stress limit because the body has an alarm system. The alarm system will warn you and tell you that, no, this is getting out of hand. This is becoming too much for you. But most of the time, we ignore the alarm system until the body goes into a state of exhaustion. And that is when all these depressive symptoms are cope. So his ability to know that we should cut our clothes, put it our clothes, good defense mechanism, good coping strategies, formidable personalities, and trying as much as possible to be real, so that when we are down, we go for help. Okay. Um, what I would like to know, you, you mentioned under coping mechanism, you mentioned personality. You, oh no, yeah, you mentioned personality. Then the last one you really mentioned, I want you to explain further is ability to know your stress limits. What are the signs? that your body will give you for you to know that you are reaching a breaking point? Um, yeah. Well, it depends. That is why my old man know thyself. A great philosopher said that. And another philosopher said, an unexamined life is not worth living. I know a friend. He will tell you that Peter, I think something is wrong. I normally go to bed by quarter to 11. But I notice nowadays I don't go to bed until 12.30. Can you imagine just an hour difference or thereabouts? But this guy knows that something is wrong. Some will tell you, oh, my period usually comes around three to four days. Now it's just one or two days. That may be their own psychological way, of, uh, the, the way of the body talks about the psychology. So it is important for individuals to understand when you discover that you are getting tired, when you discover that your happiness, you are not just happy. When you discover that things to work now becomes mechanical. It's as if you are being pushed. No more vibrancy. No more animation. You just wake up and say, oh my God, another day has come. And grudgingly, you go to work. You are no longer concentrating. You make mistakes. Your appraisal is falling. Then you know that something is happening. You have to write things down. Otherwise, you forget it. And it's consistent. It's normal to forget once in a while, but when it now becoming habitual, then you know. Not until when you become totally down, in which you now lose concentration, you lose memory, you cannot talk, you're always in crying mood, you cannot eat or you eat too much, you cannot sleep or you sleep too much, you now withdraw to self. That is now full depression. But when you see some of these poor concentration, small memory, all these small, small things, then you, you shout for help. We don't say call for help, you shout for help. <laughs> you call for help, society will tell you, come on, be a man, be strong. When I was like you, I used to jump up and down. So we tell people now not to call for help because when you call for help, they will shut you down. 
you must shout for help. Okay. Now, um, you mentioned about people speaking out, people yeah. shouting, shouting out. out, shouting out. Yes. There's something I read. There's something I saw one of the website. I think the Cottage Clinic. Okay. Said, people suffering from mental illness should not be discriminated against, but loved and should be assisted in getting help. Stop yeah. the stigma. Now, I know for a fact that in our culture, there's still that um, degree of, um, is it stigmatization with yeah. mental health issues? And could, not, could that not be a factor in you know, not, uh, people not being open to their challenge? They, they can see the signs. They know that they are having problems, but they are afraid to come out because of yeah. the way we quickly label people. And nobody mm. wants to be labeled. Yes. So how, yeah. how can we encourage people to, to, to bypass that, that fear of stigmatization? It is important to know. Well, you're right. The culture of silence and the culture of denial. I mean, if you go by statistics of WHO, that 20 to 30%, we're talking of more than 50 million Nigerians having emotional illness. How many are coming to the hospitals? Few. You know why? Because of the culture of silence. Because if you come out, they'll say you are weak or you will not get someone to marry your daughter. They'll say madness wrong in your family. All sorts of things. But we thank God that where we were 10 years, five years ago is not where we are now. Where we are now, yeah. Where this are. is increasing, that's what we are doing now. Yeah. And we know that we'll get there. Yeah. But before we get there, my message is to those who are suffering from emotional illness. You know, the idea that says, if you are silent, your home will be silent with you. Those who keep quiet eventually die prematurely. The same people whom you are saying, oh, they will shame me. We now say, uh-uh, we never knew was going through something like this. What's wrong with you? Why didn't you go for help? Can you see? So that is why you must never allow what others will say. It is your life. You must be responsible. You are in the driver's seat of your life, and you must be responsible. Those who shamed you yesterday will be the one to praise you tomorrow. If you go for help and you are up and doing, you will not be an ambassador that will not be telling people, oh, when you are this or that one. But if you allow your voice to be silenced and you suffer in vain, these same people will abuse you. That why did you just kill yourself? In fact, they will not abuse you more in death and you have lost in both ways. So we encourage people to ignore whatever the society, to take their destiny in their hands, and the same way they will come and run to the hospital if they notice any lump, or if they notice that they are not going to the toilet, or they notice that they are hurt, or they are not breathing very well, the same way they should run if they notice anything in their mind, emotions, concentrations, mood, feelings, and the likes, because it is real. Uh, I think from what you have said, 
I think it still boils down to individual understanding themselves, understanding yes. their coping mechanism, yeah, and being yes. observant of um, in terms of signs, changes, things that shows that they are not okay. Now, what would you say are the common signs people should look out for? That is like um, an alarm, an alarm mm. system telling them you need to go and see a doctor. You, what are the, you know, uh, I'm sad today, might not be enough, might not give me enough drive to say I need, yeah. uh, I, I need medical attention. So what are the symptoms that you think people should really give attention to? Well, the truth is, as I've said, we have discussed depression, but the most important thing is that depression is not the only mental illness we have. So I'll just mention general symptoms that will show that something is wrong somewhere. And I'll just start by saying, I'll, I'll pick it in form of mood. I'll talk about perception. I'll talk about behavior. So I need to just say mood, the way we see things, okay. our behavior, yes. okay? So, and then we take, if you can't permit us to mention other things. Okay. Now, the first thing about mood is this. We all have normal, I mean, we know, we understand the way our mood, you know, ranges, sometimes we are sad, sometimes we are happy, and next moment we are okay and we are moving. But when the mood is perpetually high, and someone is very happy as if he won't do to, that is a problem. Really? Yeah, we call it mania. You are just very happy, elated. You are very, very persistently happy with energy. But is that not how life should be? I will not, why should I be worried that if I'm happy and elated for... You no, know, you're not standing, you're not dancing up and down. You are just smiling, you are seated, you are calm. Know that you are extremely in a state of elation. That's why I say too much of everything, persistent low mood or persistent high mood. Really? Okay. Yes, it's very important. Also, when you notice that you have, you, you know, the way you are beginning to see things around you, your perception. Oh, people are talking about me. Two people are gathering, it's you they are talking about. Okay. Some even go to the extent of beginning to feel that newscasters, when they report news, it's about them. You go to church, it's about you. You go to mosque, it's about you. Your place of work, I know someone who refused to go to work, and that's why. That was the beginning of the mental illness. He said, immediately he goes into the office, everybody will turn at him and start looking at him, and they'll be giggling and laughing. And that continued for three years. Ooh. In fact, he says sometimes when they are talking, they'll be covering their mouth, meaning that he's smelling. And this never happened. This was in the night. Okay. And this continues. So, and every other thing seems to be okay, but those were the beginning of symptoms. So the perception is changing. The way you see things, perception is how are you seeing things around you? How are you feeling things? How are you hearing things? How are you smelling or perceiving things with all your sense organs? Some will feel that something is crawling in their body. Somebody told me that something is crawling like this, that they did not jump like this. Then the thing will not jump like this, and then it will not come through the neck. So all these are tactile or bodily feelings. 
So we begin to see images of things that are not real. This is abnormality of perception. Then what about behavior? When you notice that behavior is becoming odd, you either withdraw to self, you don't want to talk to anybody. When they talk, you get irritable. You just don't want to keep away or you become fearful. You are looking like this. You are seated in the car. You are looking like somebody wants to hold you or grab you from behind. You are becoming anxious. That is a problem. The same road you used to apply all of a sudden to start the picture of your car, you are afraid and shaking as if accident is on the way. Or when you are inside the house, you discover that you are, you are panting, having anxiety. You are anxious. You are sweating. It's as if your breath is about to cease. You know that many people are using inhaler. They are not asthmatic. It's mental illness, anxiety disorder. But because they have not been diagnosed, they know that once you have breathing problem, inhaler. They have used mm. several inhaler. I know many of my clients that suffer from anxiety disorder. First is that they, they, they have asthma problem. Meanwhile, nothing like Ronkai, they do spirometry, everything is normal. So it is important to know that some of these symptoms, if you begin to see problem with your sleep, either you wake up early and you can't sleep again, or you have problem initiating sleep or intermittent break. And this is not who you have been before. You know this problem with your eating, appetite is the same, food tastes the same, or you are eating, craving for sugar, chocolate, that may be a problem. So these are, or you notice that all of a sudden, just few people know what you are thinking without you telling them or even showing any expression. You just conclude that, oh, or you just believe that you are not safe. Everybody wants to kill you or they're monitoring you. You stop using your phone. You're off your phone. You don't answer calls because you feel you are being monitored. And there's no evidence to the contrary. These are signs that something is wrong. I know somebody who refused, got to built his house and he said, ah, my wife, some things are moving in the ceiling. Something is wrong. And they moved out. They got another house. They sold that one. This is when the same problem started. And the wife, poor woman, kept moving with the children. And this continued until they got to the fifth house. And the woman said, no way. This is not ordinary. Every time you are being pursued, 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 you are the only one hearing something from the ceiling. At the point, he packed all the whole family and they were living in the hotel for more than three months. This is paranoia. There's problem. What about addiction? Addiction is an emotional problem. You can't say, oh, let's start family meeting. And the person that is addicted will be in the middle. Remember the son of who you are. What is wrong with you? Stop this thing. It's destroying the family. Addiction is not a moral thing. The best bet is for someone not to go into addiction. But once it's there, it becomes the brain problem. That person needs to come to Grace Cottage, for example, and get <laughs> rehabilitated. So don't do family meeting every December 31st. He will not be sober or she will be sober. And she will promise all of you she will not do it again. January 3, she is back to the streets. Why? The brain has been rewired. It's no longer him. He wants to, she longs to, but unfortunately, it's a biological process. The brain has been addicted to that thing. The same way we have gambling addiction, 
sex addiction, internet addiction, food addiction, and drug addiction. I have many somebody who has sexual addiction. Say, no matter how I have sexual addiction with my wife, I will get up that same day or second day, I must go out to meet another woman. We know a popular golfer in the Western world. His titles were almost stripped until he went for rehabilitation for sex addiction. Today is back to number one position. So these are the things we need to be. There are so many symptoms. Children also are not exempted. We have selective mutism. We have cell psychosis. We have children with truancy. We have attachment disorder. We have so many things. Adolescents also have their own depression, which is totally different from that of adults. They may not show low mood. They may not be crying, but they may just become irritable. They may throw tantrums. They may face their parents and talk anyhow. They may be suicidal. They may leave home to an unknown destination. They may threaten to do things. They may harm others. That is the way adolescents express their own depression. So what you will see as parents is you are standing out against us. Eh? You have not seen that. That man is going through depression. That young boy is going through depression. But the way he's showing it is to have that deviant behavior. So these are many, these are many others uh, signs and symptoms of emotional illness. So thank you, doctor. So my question now is, what are the things that we need to put in place in our life to take care of ourselves mentally? That's a fantastic question. I mean, I went for a program and they asked, they asked them that, oh, how many of you have done your blood check, blood sugar, everybody, ah, I did it, I did my eye test. That's how many did mental check, nobody. Is it not funny? We take care of the eyes, the liver, the kidney, and coke, but we don't take care of that brain. Wait, are we saying brain is not an organ in the body? Are we saying because the brain is in the skull, it does not need to be taken care of? People do exercise, they run, to take care of their muscles, to be in good shape, to make sure their heart and everything is working. They do aerobics. People eat good diets, but nobody thinks of emotional hygiene. Nobody thinks mm -hmm. of emotional exercise. Emotional hygiene, yeah. I mean, we're just deceiving ourselves. And as I will tell people that, you know, I don't know. Is it that because we can't see the, but we can't see the heart too, we take care of it. Because I would have excused that, okay, maybe it's because the brain, somehow, somehow, we just forget that our brain exists, somehow. Meanwhile, no, men, no health without mental health. The brain drives every organ in the body. If you have heart problem, the heart can be transplanted. I'm here to see brain transplant. Once one is brain dead, that is vegetable. But if somebody is not breathing, they can still connect it to machine. As long as your brain is still alive, the person can be without machine for a long time. If somebody has lung problem, it can be plugged into ventilator and they can still breathe for a long time. But once the brain dies, it's a matter of minutes. That is the end. Why then don't we take care of this important structure? Why do we neglect it? Why don't we take care of our hygiene, emotional hygiene? 
Emotional hygiene involves you understanding that you need to protect. It is a conscious awareness that you need to take care of your brain by sleeping well, by eating well, by making sure that you don't put yourself under due pressure and stress. Women, don't go into a relationship with a man that you know will damage your life. Some people right from the deep, they engage to that man. They know that that man will only impregnate them and go. I met a client. The man is already telling that I just wanted to be my baby mama. And this woman is having a dream of being a wonderful wife. The children will surround her table. The, meanwhile, this guy just want to just have the guy just want to flank you. And you and the man is telling you all this. And you say, Oh, I love him so much. I can't imagine myself with another person. Disaster looms. And that is why a significant percentage of women in psychiatry world ask them why they are there at Brooklyn. Men. But when you identify this one, you realize that it did not just come accidentally. There are some that come accidentally. The woman never prepared for it. The man was an angel. Or the woman was an angel until she threw the man into a water loop. But it is important if you have emotional hygiene, emotional exercise, you would have seen this thing that is capable of damaging your health. It is important for people to know that when they sleep, the brain is refreshed. When they take rest, adequate rest, the brain is refreshed. When they run from toxic relationships, you have friends that everything it does or she does is to just hype your mood and make you always on the defensive. As he's seeing you like this, talking about APC better than PDP. So that you can just argue and throw up some adrenaline and stress hormone. I mean, these are things we need to be mindful of, of and we need to be weary of these things. Okay. You said emotional hygiene, no yeah. health without mental health. Fantastic. And, uh, yeah, no health without mental health. You talked yeah. about the need to sleep well and rest, to eat well, to run away from um, toxic relationships. Um, yes. There's an area that, you know, sometimes um, I had this uh, experience a while ago, and mm -hmm. uh, I remember the doctor I met uh just said it in clear terms i was having symptoms that looked like uh early signs of stroke you know my right side my head and i was a bit concerned so i was i saw one of my aunties i was referred to a consultant in um is it lagos state teaching hospital and i remember he 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 gave me, he sent me to this place and it should be called, is it Mikio for different kind of tests. Okay. And when I came back, I did scan, I did blood tests and everything. When I came back, I will never forget what the man said. And that is going to lead to my next question. He said, okay. Madam, there is nothing wrong with you. Mm. What you have is what we call psychosomatic illness. Mm. That physiologically, you are okay but psychologically you are not okay. So whatever it is that you're going through, you need to go and develop mental strength to cope. Now where mm. I'm going to is that there are sometimes people experience physical symptoms, mm. but the physical symptoms are actually indication of 
more of an emotional, emotional. problem. Yes. So how do you differentiate? How do you differentiate? How do you differentiate? How do you know that the physical symptoms you are having is an indication of uh, an emotional problem? Unfortunately, the patient going through that problem will not be able to know if you don't go to hospital. And this, this question you said, this statement now borders on our general practitioners identifying that a patient that comes every evening to come and do tests, we call it fat five, fat, F-A-T, fat five syndrome. You know why? Because the fat, this file is already fat. Because you have different documentation and test results. And they come every day throughout the whole year. So you have the big folder. When you see a patient coming on and on, complaining of one thing or the other, it is important for you to think of psychosomatic, especially when he has done several tests and everything seems to be okay. And yet he's complaining in my head though. And the way they also, you also know is when patients are complaining of things that, because medicine is not a voodoo. Medicine is a science. How can somebody come and tell me that this hand is painting how it's like our hand is inside freezer. But this one is inside fire. Ah, and we know that the body system is one. So this one is like fire. This one is like thunder. This one, you now begin to wonder, you know, when patients complain of vague symptoms, symptoms that you cannot match and categorize and say, this is the diagnosis. Then you know that there's a problem. So it is better to send such a person to psychiatrist, not psychologist. When the psychiatrist as a doctor has now, they have, has now examined, if the person does not require drugs and maybe behavioral modification, some psychotherapy, he can now send to the clinical psychologist who are experts in therapy, talking therapy, behavioral therapy and co and they will now manage. But if the psychiatrist falls over stresses and says, oh, this woman, you are having depression. Because that's what we always see in psychiatry palace. Here in Nigeria, we say Africans somatize their symptoms. They somatize their depression. An average African man will not come to you and say, I'm depressed. He will come with somatic symptoms. It is when you are asking questions you will get to know that this is psychological. So we already know that most of the time, Africans don't you know, come. So we say we stomatize our depression and cold. So, but we, in, a, in some cases, you are lucky that someone told you that, Madam, don't worry, this is psychosomatic. Go and do this and that. In some cases, for four, five, six years, you will sit on it. I saw a patient, she came to me, and then she said, doctor, I'm having so, so, and so. I'm having this problem. I'm having that problem. And by the time I asked her, she told me, I've done this test. EMI, EICT scan, ECG, echo, full blood count, <laughs> urine, electrolytes, all the tests. I would look at that. By the time I assessed the woman, simple depression. Manager, cancer, 
give antidepressants, told her that the drug will work within uh, by three to four weeks, and she begin to see improvement. This woman came back, come and see prayer. Apart from the prayer of my mother, that woman's prayer is one of the best prayer I've ever received. You know why? <laughs> yes, she, she, she was so happy that she has labored for many years, not knowing that her problem was just psychosomatic. But when she complained of saying, hey, today, they'll go and do CT scan. When you say it's this part, they'll do MRI. Oh, it is chest, too. they'll do echo. Every part she was complaining. So that's why we are telling our colleagues who are GPs to please not sit on a case, but learn to refer appropriately, especially when they have done basic tests and the patient still continues to complain. Okay. Um, apart from, you know, the ones that you have mentioned, what, yeah. okay, let's talk about toxic relationships. We know that there are some relationships in life you cannot run away from. Relationship with families, you cannot run away from it. At workplace, there are some people at workplace, you cannot avoid them. For example, maybe your boss at work. So how do, you know, um, what advice will you give to people that are in toxic relationships that is affecting their mental stability, but their relationships that they cannot get rid of? Yeah. For, for example, if you are in a marriage and the marriage is toxic, it is better for you to compel your partner to go for therapy or counseling. Don't die in silence shout out that you are dying. I am dying. It is very important. It's also important if there is verbal abuse, physical abuse, and the like, for you to also shout and say you are suffering domestic violence. If it is necessary to separate for a period of time so that issues can be resolved, it is allowed, even in psychiatry and in psychological intervention. Most of the time when things are toxic and heightened, when you give a period of separation, it allows the two individuals to have introspection and be more reasonable. And they must go for counseling and therapy. That is for indispensable relationship, relationship that you are just bound to. With work, it is, there's no work that is indispensable because whether you like it or not, they will send you away one day. And so when you have a work and you want to die there, I tell people, don't die in a toxic relationship. It's only when you are alive that you are relevant in that place of work. Mm. So if you, those who want to die in another person's job now, when COVID came, they told half of them to go out, to go to the house. They don't know their fate now. So it is important to know that if the job is too much, you can first of all adopt adaptive mechanism. If it is something you can still cope with, oh, try to cope. Look at somebody in the same place or what that is coping. Go and understudy that person. How are you mm. doing it? Is it salary that is too small? How is that person coping? And the person is still living farther from where you are living. He has three children, you only have one. How is that person managing? He's in the same unit. Yeah, he's a high flyer. And you, you are dying because the boss is toxic. Oh, the, the guy will say, oh, I use Umo. Whenever my boss talks, I just laugh at it. So he doesn't get 
to me. So these are the things that you must learn. You must also see. So it is important for us to understand that there is nothing as our more important than our lives and our mental health. And if the situation is becoming too critical to handle, leave. You are better off alive than allow the toxicity to kill you. Okay. All right. There's an area that I want you to touch on briefly before we round up. And uh, like in the last um, maybe two years, the rate of suicide among young people in Nigeria has been on the increase. And um, reason sometimes you maybe sometimes from failure at university, maybe financial issue, but it wasn't like that before. So what would you like to say about that, especially among young people, the rate of suicide among young people in the last two years has really gone up? Well, it's unfortunate that resilience in our younger generation, this millennial generation is, uh, I mean, is quite lower than what it used to be. In our own time, our father would tell us to go to the room. They will point uh, towards the door and tell us that there are 11 kings. They will describe the king we should bring. We will bring the king, we will go inside, and they will tell us they are coming. Now we have a situation of someone who failed the exam at the next moment, she goes into a hostel and commits suicide. Now we've seen cases of someone whose mother went to visit in the school and they did not see. And the mother said, where are you? I said, I'm so, so, so pleased. I said, meet me at home. And she, the lady just went straight to take toxic substance. Whatever was that thing that they take. <laughs> so you can see that people's resilience has been reduced to nothing. People no longer value lives, and so they take it at will. Could it be because there's even nothing for them to hang on to? Could it be that, oh, when you graduate, you in those days, pigeons, cars, and all these things will be begging you to take because they know you'll be employed. But the youth nowadays look at people that are graduates and they are driving Okada, Mawa, and Uber. So they just look at life and so it's easy for them to take their lives because they just look at it and there's no future. Because one of the things that will make you to want to live is when the life is sweet itself. Not when you see chaos all around you, instability. You are totally dissatisfied every day. The question you ask yourself is, well, what is the big deal? A patient who was suicidal before has asked me that question. He said, doctor, you asked me not to keep myself and everything. Convince me, what's the big deal about life? I mm. said, I had, I had a sweat time trying to convince him the big deal about life because he kept mentioning all the problems in our racism, political instability, nepotism, wickedness, barbaric behavior, people slaughtering each other, one another. He said, is that the word I'm talking about? So you have to begin to now realign their mind. 
that in this chaotic world, they can contribute to bring peace. You begin to tell them that they may be the answer the world is looking for, but if they have terminated their lives prematurely, how would the world change? It takes a lot of therapy, but I can tell you, resilience is reducing, people no longer value lives, and they just take it at will. Family union system is degrading and degenerating. We are becoming more nuclear-oriented. Miku-yuku syndrome. Everybody to his shed. I can no longer tell my neighbors, my children to take care of my, my neighbors to take care of my children. Therefore, I'm at work and I'm running down to the house. In those days, you go and sleep in Yashukura. When your mommy comes, you come and carry <laughs> You just know that you slept in eight and you woke up in the middle of the night. You are your, you didn't know the miracle that you know everybody had, you know, each other's back. But now you don't care. The world is becoming nuclear oriented. You can't even go to your neighbor's house. If you, you see children waving at their neighbor to their balcony. How are you? Bye bye. It's you know, we, we are getting we are losing so much so many values. In those days, anybody can see you and say you are doing something bad and correct you. You are you are everybody's child. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. things have changed. So things you are. can see. You can see. Then you can be sure that when you graduate or you put your money in pension fund, when you graduate, when you when, when, when you graduate, you get a job. When you retire, your money will be restored back to you and returned to you. But what do you have now? Your pension, you are not sure that even when you grow you will get it when you retire. Somebody will have cutted it away. So, so many stability and hopelessness. Yeah, so how do we build resilience in young people? How do we, you know, um, before, um, nobody thinks about, you know, uh, a time will come when we start having mental challenges with young people. It used to be a case with old, you know, older adults, but now things have changed. So as we're talking about mental health, it's not just applicable to adults alone. It's also applicable to younger generation as well. So how do we, what are the things that we can put in place and uh, what role can society play, you know, in building resilience in young people? Well, to build resilience, we start to take family units is, is key. The role of parents, correcting, using authoritative parenting rather than authoritarian or permissive. Permissiveness is anything good. And so when they meet problems in life, it crumbles like parts of car. Because you have just permitted them. I want to eat shawarma. I want to eat this. I want to eat this. I want to date this. I want red shoe. No, I don't want to get purple. I want. Oh, you children, what's wrong with you now? Can you imagine? <laughs> Authoritarian is they don't have a voice. You are a military man. They are living in the barrack. Everything, do as I say, come on, get out. But authoritative is raw and stick, carrot and stick approach, in which they know that mommy can be good, mommy can also be bad. Daddy can be good, daddy can be bad. When daddy says no, it is no. When mommy says no, it is no. And daddy and mommy, they speak in unison. Not that the mother will be saying, you are too harsh on them, what's wrong with you? And they are saying daddy as a wicked man. Or daddy is saying, why are you like this? Are you a witch? And the mother says, the children say, hey. Daddy even confirmed that mommy is a witch. 
So these are the problems. So when they start from that family unit, we go to religious bodies, the church, the mosque, they must stand for the truth, not because of what the person is doing. Although they must be able to have programs. They must be, the words that come from these people must be words that will shape one life. Then we move to school system. The school system must have programs. I mean, nowadays, you can, when we were going to school, and I'm very sure you also did say, they were, the first one week, you are clearing lungs. You have blisters. But you may not, you, they, they, no, there are other things. They don't have to clear lungs, have blisters, we have mowing machines and go now. But there should be deliberate efforts to make people know that life is not a bed of roses. A famous philosopher said, when our children are too comfortable, we must deliberately bring stones on their ways. Mm. He said deliberately just, you want to drive them to school one day, just intentionally say that the car is not working, let them trek. You must deliberately create problems because it is the problem that we made there. And that's why you read the story of the bee. The bee himself must struggle to come out of the bee. Otherwise, He's going to die if you help him because it's in the process of struggling that the wind develops strength. But nowadays, we don't want our children to struggle. In fact, we say the problem we went through, they must not go through. We have suffered and we have paid the, we pay the price of suffering. We pay the price. <laughs> that is a dangerous and wicked disposition towards those children. So when we start from that age, it's easy for them to mature into adolescent, and they'll be able to navigate the adolescent crisis. They will not be cajoled by peer pressure. They will not see you as a wicked person in the house, and therefore their friends will kneel them, and they begin to have partying, courtism, and co. And from there, they will grow into young adults. By the time they are getting married, they are getting employed, the boss will not talk to them down, and the next moment they want to go and die. Their wife or partner will not talk them down at the next moment they want to back out and commit suicide. Why? Daddy has coded them. Teachers are beating them. They have understood that life is not a pair of roses. They do financial things, and uh, business, they have problems, they know they can always bounce back. That is it. So they have different perspective to failure rather than you package them, you help them to do what I have. You organize jam for them. You package everything. When they now face exam, real life, they are shaking. And when they fail, their whole world crumbles. Okay. Now, um, the last question before we round up. What will you, what advice will you give to um, our viewers that, that are listening, that are watching? on things they can put in place to help them manage this period that we are in, this global lockdown <laughs> that we are in. And uh, there's so much uncertainty, there's so much instability. And uh, some of the things that, you know, you said earlier, yeah, sleep well, rest, um, run away from toxic relationship and things like that. But this one is a peculiar challenge that uh, we've not experienced before. 
So what coping mechanism, apart from the ones you've mentioned, will you, you know, advise for our viewers? Advice will you give to our viewers? Being able to cope with what is happening now. We've been in lockdown now for over two months. Um, here, we've been in lockdown now since March. I think the last time I went to work was March 16th. And, uh, and um, we don't know when it's going to end, you know? So it's a challenge that everybody's facing, but we need to navigate our path and rise above it. Well, you are right by saying that nobody, I mean, Asian flu, they say it's uh, 18 something or 19 something. I'm very sure many of us who are not alive, 1918. And so we can authoritatively say that majority of this generation we are facing this for the first time. Yeah. It is important for us to first of all have that mindset that this is not about me alone, it's about the world. Yeah. You know, having that mindset alone is therapeutic. Because most of the time, by the time you see yourself and say, ah, see my life, oh, is this how this thing will kill us and we'll die? Oh, I'm the only. When you make it your own, as if COVID has personally come to kill you, or to affect you, it's going to affect you. So you must first of all take it low that, oh, this is not about me alone. It's about the world. Once you have that mindset, the next thing is I always believe in observation. I always believe in observation. Watch how others are coping. Mm. Observation is powerful in mental health hygiene. Because the same problem you think you are going through, that is insurmountable. They want to kill you, overwhelm you. Somebody is handling, observe, and learn. Number three, learn to shut your ears to things that can further stress you. Oh, 50 million people projected to die. <laughs> and when they want to die, they'll be breathing like this and they'll just die. And you say, hey, they said they are breathing like this. They, they'll be walking on the road, they'll just be falling. You don't need that kind of news. You want news of hope. Congratulations. 64 people have been discharged today from the isolation center. Wow, so this is not a death sentence. You are helping your brain. Someone said, hey, but are people not dying? I said, people are dying, but which one do you choose to focus on? See, the truth is that if you choose to focus on negative, it will affect you. So for your health, my state, it is a choice to focus on the positive, positive parts. Going from there, this is the time to bring up your rational mind. Look at your resources because financial problems is a major source of stress. Distribute your resources. This is not the time 
to use their hands to eat. This is not the time to say, oh, I can never do with 10 bokoto. It has to be 10. If it is one or two, this one too shall be over. Oh, because yes. we don't know when everything will be restored. Yeah. I can go on and on and on to say many things, but it's all about you being rational. All about you being, you know, you know, you know, understanding the moments and that believing that this one will also pass. Also pass. Okay. Um, I'm dealing with mental health, especially offering support, proper support system for people that are dealing with mental health challenge. It's simple. The way you will take care of somebody with diabetes, hypertension, and cool. Take care of people with mental illness that way. If I can shout out and say, oh, my, I'm having fever, I can't eat. And people will come around me and say, oh, sorry, will you do this? Will you do that? Will you go to the hospital? Have you done this? That is the same way they should take care of me when I say I'm emotionally down, I don't feel happy, or I'm anxious, or I feel that my breath is seizing, or I feel panicky. They shouldn't tell me that I'm weak. They shouldn't tell me that I should man up. If you don't tell me to man up when I have hypertension or cancer, why tell me to man up when I have mental illness? You cannot empathize with me when I have liver, heart, or kidney problem. But this time around, when it is brain issue, you say it is an attack, or it is the work of my evil deed, or a result of somebody's witches and wizards or anything. So the same way, the same attribute, the same way we perceive medical conditions and we help those in need. So also, we should. We should not stigmatize. That's just it. Okay, so we should. Um, one more thing now, how can, you know, sometimes people that are going through depression, how do you know the kind of help that would be appropriate? I think sometimes people want to help, but they don't know the kind of help that might be appropriate for that person. So in the process of offering help, it might come across as be they are, as if they are insensitive to the plight of the person. So what are the things that we need to know to help us to be a good support system to people that are struggling with depression? Well, the most important thing is for you to help, you must understand the subject matter. Many people help and they even damage in the process. For example, I have a, I have a WhatsApp page. We are 365 already or 356, the maximum, and we have moved to page two. And it has been on since 2016 or 17. We don't broadcast anything there other than mental health issues, topics, management, examples of patient experience. And I can tell you those 356, fine, some went in and out, but we've had constant, like 300 people who have constantly been in that platform for the past three years. I can totally tell you that they are mental health ambassadors. People like that know, in fact, the, one of the husband or the participants in that group told me, I said, you must help me to that group. My wife is beginning to talk like a doctor. 
and she's using it to even <laughs> I'm like, and then she now told you she was canceling our neighbor's daughter, and I could see her bringing skills. And I asked her, she said, Dr. Peter asked one group that she said, Doctor, you must add me to that group. I want to be an ambassador too. First of all, people must seek knowledge. People must go through some of our websites. I mean, I'm happy that you were able to go. You are bringing out information from my website, from my Facebook page that I posted years ago. That showed that before you called me, you actually went through the profile. You went through some of the statements. You assimilated. So for you to help, you must also be an ambassador. You must have passion. And you must know the right way to help. And you must know when to refer. Oh, Google Grace Cottage. Oh, Dr. Nubi. Oh, this. Call. I've seen people that said, my friend is going through this problem. I don't know how to tell him. So that it won't be as if I'm shaming him or anything. Doctor, I'm reaching out to you. Can I hand his number down to you? So that you help me call. And from there, we call, hello, how are you? One of your friends observed this and that. And of course, the person didn't know how to go about it. I just wish you have a chitty chat and everything. And from there, the guy opened up. We brought him down. And the guy said, he has not known that he himself has been looking for ways. But just that mind to just push himself and come for help, he didn't know. He got our place, said, number one, I never knew there's a private mental health facility in Lagos. I thought I would have to go to the public and this thing. And he said, he has symptoms and ideas together. And they two are suffering. He brought the two patients. And today, three of them are doing fantastically well. Productivity-wise, everything. So it is important that we become ambassadors and we refer appropriately when necessary. Okay. Um, finally, I'll just read what you, some of the things I copied out from your website. You said you are passionate about reducing the incident of mental illness in Nigeria through extensive mental education via social media platforms. Um, WhatsApp, YouTube, Telegram, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, to print media, newspaper, and national dealings, and uh, electronic media, television, and radio station. And, um, you know, something happened like today, something was put in the post today, I received today, and I just smiled and I was just hoping that I'm looking forward to the time where something like this can begin to happen in Nigeria. Because yes, where we are now is not where we were about 10 years ago when it comes to the issue of mental awareness. But I think there's still a lot of work that needs to be done where it's not just about doctors, maybe Dr. Nubi setting up um, a private hospital or running um, a non-governmental organization, but also individuals, philanthropists, doing things you know to create awareness within the community like within their community about the need for people to take care of their health mentally this just came in the post they just put into the post this morning well-being and mental health during covid19 and when i flip through it's just tips basic things to do 
It included section on children, ways you can cope. And I think we need more awareness. That's my own yeah. observation. I know you are on the field. We need more mm. awareness about right. the fact that I work as a fitness instructor, but I've seen, the, uh, I've seen people who are physically okay. But you can see that sometimes their addiction to exercise was just a coping mechanism of an underlying mental issue. Exactly. It's not everybody that is exercising that is doing it for health reasons. Some it's are just doing a party mechanism. Some are, their addiction to exercise sometimes is a symptom of an underlying health issue. So I think if there Correct. is more awareness, yes, if there is more awareness that it is possible to live well mentally. I've learned a lot today. And one of the things I'm going, I'm living with here is that from this discussion is the fact that um, emotional hygiene, yes. Emotional hygiene and the fact that no, there's no health without mental health. And you have to be deliberate about your mental health. Mental health, happen by accident. You have to be deliberate, observe yourself, study yourself, know your stress, stress uh, threshold, and put checks in place to be able to protect yourself. Okay, I, I don't see. know whether you have any other thing that you, you want to say. Yeah, I just want to appreciate you. I just want to say that you've done very well. I mean, it's one of the best uh, moderation and interview I've had in the same past. You did not okay. scratch the surface. I mean, you asked deep questions and you allowed me to have more, uh, to give more expose on the subject matter. And I mean, it's fantastic. And I just hope and believe that our viewers uh, will be able to, I'm very sure it's going to still be on your page. Viewers can yeah. still go to your Facebook page and check this that, oh, we were, we were live. And they should copy it, they should post this, not to make anybody popular. I tell people it's not about popularity. It's about lives being touched. Somebody needs that message that we have just discussed this evening. And I believe yeah. the, the more the rich, the helpful, it, the more helpful it will be to the populace. Thank you once yeah. again for having me. I will do this over again. All right. So I just want to ask, finally, if somebody wants to contact you, how do they um, contact you? Is there an email address or... Is there an email address that they can, or yeah. you want them, your social media handle that they can contact yeah. you? I always tell people that I'm everywhere. I've received, I've seen people contact, uh, people People can contact me through Instagram at Dr. Nubi Peter, same DR, Dr. Nubi Peter. You can decide to go through Facebook, Nubi Olution Peter, and people go through a message and just say, hello, doc, can we have your number? Or you call the clinic line, which is very easy to know. 1955. That's all. 1955. People know that and people both WhatsApp and call. I receive a lot from that. They just say 1990. 1055. Okay. Thank you very, very much. It's nice having you here. Thank you thank for honoring you. the invitation. Thank you and, so much. Uh, yeah, thanks so much. And a big thank you also to 
our viewers, those that were able to, to join us, thank you for being part of today's program. Thank you very, very much. All right. Okay. All bye right. Bye. 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 bye.